Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue. Today we're on the airwaves to talk about the COVID-19 vaccine. And joining us is Dr. Matthew DeBrava, branch head for the Aeromedical Monitoring and Analysis Human Systems Engineering Department for NOC-AD. He's here to talk to us about the importance of getting the vaccine, as well as dispel some of the myths surrounding the vaccine. Doc, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a great pleasure to be here. Well, we really appreciate you being here. So let's begin our conversation today by talking about the COVID-19 vaccines currently available. How do each of them work? Well, so we have three vaccines available in the country now, and they work two different ways. So Pfizer and Moderna, well, they, they work in general by giving the body a sample of what we call spike protein. And spike protein is a unique protein that's on the outer coating of the COVID-19 virus. So we want the body, the body's immune system to make antibodies to, to fight off that, that, that protein. So we'll give samples of the protein in the vaccine and that's how vaccines work in general. So like for Pfizer and Moderna, we give you a piece of code that your cells take in and they send that piece of code over to kind of like the manufacturing plant of the cell and they take that blueprint and they produce some S protein and your body sees it and says, that's not right. So let's make antibodies against it. And that's how that works. Johnson and Johnson takes a virus that is safe for humans to be exposed to. And they splice in the code for um, the S protein. And then your body sees this virus with this S protein and says, well, the virus is okay, but that S protein has to go. So your immune system will make antibodies towards that as well. And that's how the vaccines work in general. And since they've been developed in really robustly in the last 200 years, it's the one single development that has saved billions of lives. So a lot of people debate about vaccines and the reality is there is no vaccine debate. Vaccines work and vaccines work very well. So obviously those are some of the differences between the the three main vaccines approved by the Food and Drug Administration. But would you say one of those is considered the best vaccine? The best vaccine is the one you're offered first. Don't forget, there's a worldwide shortage of vaccine right now. So while we have three vaccines in the country that are authorized for use, about 130 nations around the world still don't have vaccine. And really to beat back COVID, about 70% of the world's population needs to be vaccinated. So don't, don't hesitate. If you're in line for the vaccine and you're, oh, I'm gonna get the Pfizer because I hear Pfizer's the best. And somebody turns around and says, oh, we're out of Pfizer, but we got plenty of Johnson & Johnson. Don't bat an eye. It will work just as well. One of the the buzzwords that I've been seeing related to vaccine recently is efficacy. Um, Explain to me what vaccine efficacy really means, how we should interpret it. I mean, what's the difference between 95% versus 66% when it comes to a vaccine? And and that's a great question because a lot of numbers go out and it confuses a lot of people. So efficacy is really how well does this work for what we are studying it for? So basically when the vaccines were studied, they were studied to find out how well does it work to prevent severe symptoms of COVID-19. So if you get vaccinated, yes, you still can get COVID, but it's less likely. And you're vaccinated and you get infected. The vaccine that's 95% efficacious, like Pfizer and Moderna, 
means it's 95% effective to keep you from having severe symptoms, which means that's great if you're an older person and severe symptoms will take you to the ICU, take you to the ventilator and possibly become a fatal event for you. And that's what that really means. So when we go to Johnson and Johnson, where the 66% comes from, it's 66% efficacious to prevent moderate to severe symptoms. So if you happen to be vaccinated with Johnson and Johnson and you happen to pick up the virus, it's 66% for moderate symptoms. It's 85% for severe symptoms. And because they measured it, it was 100% for not winding up in the hospital. Now, it doesn't mean to say the vaccine is 100% effective. It means in the thousands of people they studied with Johnson & Johnson vaccine, those who got the vaccine, none wound up in the hospital with COVID. So in other words, back to your point, if a vaccine is available to you, no matter which one it is, get it. Correct. Because the difference in those numbers are academic, but not practical. So the first one coming down the pipeline that hits your arm is the best vaccine. It's not just protection for you, but it's also protection for the people around you. Everyone wants this magical herd immunity. Well, that means enough of us have to take it to make that actual number work. And the experts kick it around, you know, is it 70, 80, 90%? Well, we'll never get there if we just kind of push off the vaccine on someone else. So if you're offered the vaccine and your appointment comes up and you're willing to take it, please take it. Will it benefit you? Probably because if you happen to get COVID, it will prevent you from having severe disease, but it will also prevent you from transmitting it to others. You know, it's not hundred percent, but every little bit helps. If you don't do it for yourself, do it for the people around you. Good to know. So I think one of the questions, um, obviously these vaccines were developed in a tremendously amazing amount of time, a very short amount of time. How can we trust a vaccine that has been developed so quickly? Well, there were no safety shortcuts in developing this vaccine. The vaccine is developed by industry. It is regulated by the government. And there are third parties independent of both those agencies who review the safety of the manufacturing and the ethics of the testing. And that all has to be an agreement for the vaccine to be given its authorization to be used. Why we have this vaccine so quickly is you're seeing an example of worldwide resources being thrown at a problem. And there were also no constraints on the resources. Like I said earlier, 70% of the world needs to be vaccinated to really bring this under control. So it's a worldwide problem and everyone's been thrown in on it. So when you test a new vaccine, you have clinical trials, phases one, two, and three. The government allowed phases one, two, and three to be done simultaneously instead of in sequence. That saves some time. When you have a trial that involves 40,000 volunteers, it usually takes years, if not a decade or so, to get that many. In this case, worldwide problem, no shortage of volunteers. You had 40,000 people ready to go in a day. That tremendously cut the timeline down. So because of things like this is why we have the vaccine so quickly. It's a worldwide problem. We applied worldwide solutions and there is no shortage of people willing to help. Shows what we can do as a human population when we all put our heads together, correct? <laughs> like the Apollo project of vaccines. That's a great way to put it. So doc, despite knowing the obvious benefits of the vaccine, why do you think people still hesitate to get it? 
Well, there is a lot of hesitancy and part of it is like we mentioned before, a lot of people don't understand the safety of the vaccine. They think because it was developed so quickly, there's no way it can be safe. And that's kind of a myth that has to be dispelled. It, it really was developed safely. But then some people, they're, they're also a little unsure to do it because, well, I, I see this in the younger sailors, like, ah, how does it benefit me? Because I'm a young person. If I get, if I get COVID, you know, what does it matter? It probably won't affect me. And in that case, we kind of remind them, well, you're right. It may not benefit you directly in that sense, but it benefits the people around you. And like I said before, we want to get to this herd immunity level. Well, it, we won't get there if everyone just kind of bounces the ball down the road or kicks the can down the road and says, oh, well, well I'll, I'll wait till later. That's the other thing. I'll, I'll hold out because I want to see how it goes. And the other problem is, is that a lot of social media has a lot of misinformation on it. So, and that's a tough thing to do because in our society, if you're the first one with the story, that's the truth. That's the narrative people follow. And science will always be the second story because it takes time to develop. It takes time to validate it. It takes time to peer review it. Social media platforms can magnify the, the misinformation to, to an infodemic proportion, according to the World Health Organization. And that's difficult when the science comes around, you know, because then we always look reactive. Like, oh, well, the vaccine, they said the vaccine was dangerous because of this reason. Like, no, 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 it's, here's, here's the truth. Yeah, but you just told us that because you're reacting to what we told you. And, uh, you know, so it's, it makes it for an uphill battle. And I, I think when you mentioned go and do your research, another resource is certainly your medical community, your medical professionals. So reach out and talk to your doctor if you have questions. Yes. Well, I get inundated with emails every day with vaccine questions, but I get questions, you know, about like, oh, what happens if I miss the second shot by a few weeks? And the answer is you're fine because there's no, there's, there's no reason to restart the schedule or they'll ask about like, you know, can I get COVID if I get the shot? Well, no, there's no COVID virus in the shot. Some vaccines work by giving you a weakened or a dead version of the virus. And this is not, this vaccine works completely differently. So you can't get COVID from the COVID vaccine. Check you know, validated sources for information about if you have questions about the safety or how the vaccine works. There's lots of information out there that's validated and doesn't try to skew you. And then, and then understand that we're still in a fight. And until, you know, until like the world can rest on this, uh, we still have to, we have the initiative, we can't let it go. So keep up with the social, the social behaviors, because that's been demonstrated last year before we did the vaccine. There was a downturn because we did social behavior and we know it works and it's tough, but it works. G continue testing and then get the vaccine when it's offered to you. What are some of the risks related to the vaccine and what are some of the side effects that you might experience when getting the vaccine? So the risk of getting the vaccine is similar to any of the other vaccines you may have already taken. The biggest side effects we're seeing are uh, soreness at the injection site, maybe some redness and swelling at the injection site. And then this is a vaccine that's designed to kind of provoke your immune system into action. And so usually the following day, people report, I feel really tired, I feel kind of sleepy, or I feel kind of achy. That's usually more on the day of the second shot. You tend to feel the side effects a little bit more. When you get sick with a virus, though, the virus itself does not make you feel bad. Your, it's your immune system's response that really 
kicks off all those symptoms because they're busy fighting the virus. And it's, it's basically, they have a lot of biochemical pathways it invokes to do this. And those biochemical pathways have a lot of kind of residual effects in the body. And it makes you feel feverish. It makes you feel tired. It makes you feel achy. So when we give you a vaccine that's meant to stimulate the immune system, you'll probably feel a little tired and maybe a little feverish. Uh, some people reported uh, mild fever or a little bit achy. And that's to be expected the day or two after you get the vaccine. And that's normal. And just shows your immune system's waking up. So you've mentioned uh, available resources to our workforce. And I know a lot of people have gone to the CDC website where they've gained a lot of valuable information, but there's also information about adverse reactions to the vaccine. What does that really mean? So there's a CDC run site called the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And a lot of you can look at that data at any time. It's publicly available. So in order to educate yourself, a lot of people go there, but they see the data and they get a little, they get a little worried about what they see. So let me explain what you're really seeing. When you look at that data set, you're seeing unverified raw data that anybody can input throughout the country. You don't have to be a healthcare provider or a medical treatment facility. Anybody who had any type of concern or reaction about the vaccine can input into that data. So that's why it's unverified. And what it gives you is what we call all mortality and all morbidity causes. So for example, when you look at the Pfizer line and it goes across as Pfizer, COVID-19 deaths 934, it does not mean 934 people died from Pfizer. It meant 934 people died. They had the Pfizer vaccine, but now they have to trace back to make sure the vaccine didn't have anything to contribute to their death. So that's how you have to read that data. It's not reporting that these are adverse events due to the vaccine. These are people who had these medical deaths or injuries or illnesses who had the vaccine. And now we have to go back and make sure that the vaccine's not contributing to any of that. So that's how you should read that data. So yes, be educated, go to reliable, verifiable sources. But remember some of the data you get to see is raw. You shouldn't read it as like, it's a horrible outcome. Understand it's just, that is the beginning of how we ask the question and we're still chasing down the answers. So if I have had the vaccine, can I still get COVID? And, and also, I mean, can I pass it along to others as well? So the answer is uh, yes to both those questions, but it's less likely. So no vaccine is 100% effective. And when they studied the vaccine, they studied to see how well it worked in preventing you from getting symptoms. However, vaccines work by reducing the viral load in your body. Since your immune system is already primed to fight it off, if you get infected, then your immune system is ready to go. And the viral load that would, you know, that could potentially develop in your body would be severely reduced. So the answer is yes. Can you still, can you get COVID if you're vaccinated? Yes, you can. It's less likely. Can you transmit it to others? Yes, you can, but now it's less likely. By how much? So far in the study of all the healthcare workers who've been vaccinated in Israel and the studies done by other healthcare workers in the United States, it turns out that the viral load is reduced by 75%, give or take a little. So that means, so if you got infected by the COVID vaccine, instead of making a thousand copies you have to fight off, you're now only gonna fight off 250. Well, that means less stress on your immune system. That's why you feel less symptoms. And if you're only making you know, a quarter of the virus, 
that's a quarter of the virus you have the ability to transmit to others. So you'll reduce the amount you could possibly transmit. And that's how vaccines work. So that's why it's really important that as many of us get vaccinated as possible. Will we get rid of COVID? No. Will you be totally immune from COVID? No. Will we be less likely to transmit it to each other? Definitely. So do you think that the vaccine, will it wear off over time once we've been inoculated? Because the vaccine is new and we're still trying to determine some of the long-term efficacies of the vaccine, that's, we have yet to determine that. Now, Moderna has done some initial studies and they said, well, the Moderna vaccine will be good for at least a year, which means Pfizer would be about the same since they work the same. Johnson & Johnson, we haven't heard from yet. But if you get COVID and you get over it, your natural immunity to it is only about three months. So if you get the vaccine, not only do you get an extension for that immunity, you also have some more protection against the variants that we'll see coming down the pipeline here. So speaking of those individuals who have had COVID, do they still need to get vaccinated? Yes, they do. And just for the reasons I mentioned before, the immunity will last longer and you'll be better protected against some of the variants that we see appearing throughout the world. Why is it so important, even once we've been vaccinated, that we continue to maintain these important safety measures that we've been doing for the past year, such as wearing a mask, washing our hands, and really disinfecting our work areas and social distancing? You know, when there's a forest fire or a wildfire and the flames are put out, the fire can smolder underground. So a lot of people are saying, oh, the virus, it's, it's, it's on the downtrend right now. But that's just the flames going out. We still have the smoldering problem. And the effective treatment is the social behaviors. We're denying fuel to the fire. We still need to get a lot of people vaccinated before this is defeated. And until that happens, even if you get vaccinated, we still need you to wear the mask and do social distancing and washing your hands a lot because that denies fuel to COVID. And this is why we have to keep those up. You know, the other analogy or simile is I make with people is the battle of Midway. So the COVID vaccine is like our battle of Midway. And we've, we've now have this tremendous downturn in the virus. Well, we won the battle of Midway and we didn't go home. We now had the initiative and we had to take it all the way across the Pacific. So, you know, what we can't do is look at the downward graph and say, ah, we're done. Time to go home. Like, no, no, no. We actually have the initiative. So now we have to be more aggressive than ever. And that means doing the social behaviors we've talked about, testing so we can find out where the hotspots are and keeping the vaccine up as much as possible. I think you paint two very powerful pictures there with those examples. I mean, we got to keep battling all the way to the end, right? Correct. Yeah. So I think one of the things that continues to pop up is here we are all going out and getting these vaccines, but then you hear these little blips here and there about new strains. Right. Will these vaccines protect us from those strains and how worried should we be about that? Well, so the vaccines should help. Now they were tested against some of the original strains of COVID. So more testing will go on to help, you know, help determine which vaccine will have a better profile against some more of the variants. But the variants have some things in common. And I mentioned it that, you know, on their outer coat, they have that specific protein that the, that your antibodies are now being geared up for. So that will help with a lot of the variants that we see coming down the pipeline. So it would be much better to be armed with the vaccine than not have the vaccine when these things start to appear. 
Now, the other thing is that once we, since we've demonstrated we can develop a vaccine so quickly, if a new variant is a little vaccine resistant or doesn't want to play, we obviously have the science and the technique down to develop a new vaccine to defeat that. What does the NAVIR workforce need to know about vaccine distribution on site and how does it differ from outside of base? Well, I'm glad you asked. So there are two distribution schemes that are going to affect NAVIR employees. There's going to be the DOD distribution where they're going to send vaccine directly to uh, military treatment facilities that are associated with the bases where NAVIR facilities are. And then the local state and county will have vaccine distribution as well. And the DOD vaccine distribution is leaning heavily towards deploying forces and forces that are forward deployed right now. So bases like ours are not getting as much vaccine as we need to meet our demand for the priorities of our employees. So the states, however, are doing better in moving forward in the tier distribution system. So I think what we're going to find is that some employees will be vaccinated on the base they're assigned to, but many employees will be vaccinated by the local authorities when they make those tier marks. And uh, it's so far it's been our experience that the, the state and county will happily vaccinate you based on your health and age criteria. They won't necessarily vaccinate an employee based on their DOD employment as a mission essential worker. Your mission essential for the federal government, yes, but not necessarily for state or county government. So it's your age and health requirements that will make you eligible on the local for local vaccination. We do ask if you get vaccinated off base that you go to the NAVAIR SharePoint and update your vaccine application so we know you've been vaccinated and we're going to take your name off the list and then move others up in case we get more on the DOT sites. And from what I understand that your supervisor will let you know when it's your turn. Yes. Several organizations do it a little bit differently, but ultimately, you know, when it comes to your turn, like we'll, like the clinic will call you with an appointment and we'll say, Hey, Michael, Hey, your name popped up and we have an appointment for you at nine o'clock on Tuesday. Can you make it? Knowing that you've been vaccinated, you would say, oh, no, I've already been vaccinated. I went to the NAVAIR SharePoint and updated it. But had you not been vaccinated, he's like, yep, I'll go ahead and take it. And you'll just go there. They'll vaccinate you. You'll wait there for about 15 minutes. And then they'll give you a little card that shows you've been vaccinated and also the date you should return on. That leads us to an important point. Because our vaccine often is being shifted over to deploying forces, some people get delayed in their second shot. And that, that's a big question. So if you get Moderna, which is what we give on base, 28 days, 28 days later, you should get Moderna again. If you miss that date, do not worry. There's no reason to restart the vaccine sequence. So if you, hey, I'm supposed to get it on day 28, but they couldn't get me an appointment to day 37, you're still fine. The second dose is, is kind of like, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a booster it's a mini booster for the first dose. It just gets you over the 95% mark. And uh, if you miss it by a few weeks, you're still fine. And you don't have to restart the shot sequence. Yeah, I think that's a very, very, very important point. So good to know. Now, before we wrap today, you've given us so much amazing information, but what would you say to someone who might still hesitate to get the vaccine? Well, you know, I'd like to remind people that we are 
we are the military and we're the most unique military in the history of the world. And whether you wear a uniform or you're a civilian employee or you're a contractor, we're all part of the military. So I would say for anyone who is hesitant about the vaccine, this is your opportunity to be a great American, to put the needs of others ahead of your, of your own. We're in a public health emergency, which means we all have to work together. We're asking people to take a vaccine to help prevent the spread of a disease that is killing a lot of people around the world. And, you know, and when you do, you're being a great American. That's what I would tell people who are vaccine hesitant. Yes, we understand there is risk. Vaccines are not perfect, but they are the best choice. And if you take that choice, you're doing something for everybody, not just yourself. So let's all get out and do our part. Dr. DeBrava, thank you so much for joining us today and helping to educate our workforce on the importance of getting the COVID-19 vaccine. Like you say, it's the best way to protect ourselves, our loved ones, and our coworkers, and certainly an important step in getting back to moments and the people that we miss. Now you can find the latest COVID-19 guidance and vaccine distribution information on the NAVAIR SharePoint site. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.